All right, guys, we're going to get started. Um, you know, I, I was in uh, Robert's class earlier, which is in this room, and I was thinking, man, I'm kind of getting a lot of the jitters, you know? Uh, but, you know, this is, this is the size of one of Robert's classes. I'll probably have like half of this whenever uh, it's my class, and I think there's actually more, so that's great. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to say a prayer real quick, and then we'll get started. Uh, dear Lord, uh, I just want to come to you in prayer, um, you know, as we're about to talk about prayer and fasting. I um, just want to take the time to just thank you for, uh, you know, the different things you've given us and the different ways that we have to, uh, to talk to you and, and to grow in relationship with you, um, you know, and that it's not just limited to us, but that we can do these things together, um, you know, as a, as a church body, as a family, uh, to just grow with each other and grow with you and just uh, experience your love. And uh, yeah, God, it's just a, it's a great thing. And I mean, we're so lucky to have you and, and uh, so lucky to have all the, the sacrifices that you've made for us. Uh, it's in your sons and my prayer. Amen. All right, guys. So uh, kind of starting off today, has anybody here ever uh, seen or uh, had a tool or item um, and maybe you didn't know uh, its full potential? A show of hands. Has anybody ever really had that? Maybe you learn about it later. You're like, uh, you know, the way I think about it, if I have a hammer in my hand, and then I have Ryan Graham standing next to me, and he has a hammer in his hand, that hammer is way more useful than this one is. Um, you know, he knows a lot of different ways to use that hammer that I have no idea um, on how to use that hammer. Um, sometimes I think we even see tools for the first time or different things that we can use for the first time and are kind of amazed by it. The other day, actually, I was on Facebook just scrolling, and there's this little ad, and uh, they had a... Um, I don't even know, I guess it was like a measuring device, and you attached it to uh, a saw, and it would measure out exact cuts of wood every time so that it, uh, all, your, all your cuts would line up perfectly. And I thought, man, that would have been so nice when we were uh, putting our floors in our old house last year. Um, guys, this is kind of a parallel to prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is one of those things that we have in our lives and it's one of those things that God gives us to where we can uh, know about it, we can use it, um, but I think there's a lot of depth that is not covered when it comes to prayer and fasting. And a lot of times we can look in Scripture and we can uh, look to each other and learn more about these things. And that's kind of what we're going to go over today is uh, the different ways that we can look to the vine, look to Jesus, and we can become that, that ripe, good fruit that is yielded from him. And we can use prayer and fasting to become that. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into prayer first. Oops, they said this is a better spot up here. So I'm going to move this because they were wrong. Um, so, you know, we're going to start off this, uh, this class talking about prayer a little bit and, and kind of jump into fasting a lot more throughout the end, but um, there's going to be some ideas for action steps when it comes to each one, and so the first point we're going to talk about today with, with prayer and understanding, maybe not how to pray, but understanding maybe the power and the importance and the purpose of prayer on a deeper level and why, why we're talking about praying to stay instead of just teaching how to pray. Um, so our first point is going to be, uh, I will pray to stay in direct connection to God. Robert talked about uh, being connected a little bit in his class earlier, um, and, and I want to talk a lot more about that here with the idea of how praying to stay in direct connection to God and why that's important, why we're talking about it, and um, you know what the whole purpose of 
prayer and connection to God is. Um, you know, prayer is this idea of a lot of times people want to just be like, oh, it's, it's just this conversation where we can talk to God and share things with him. And, and that's really what it is. In, in, in a way, it is really this uh, way to be able to talk to God. But it's more than just talking. Um, there, there's much more to it that I think we forget about or we don't realize when it comes to having this communication and this connection with God. Um, when you think about a relationship, um, I look across the room and I know some of the, the, the marriages and the, and the dating relationships that are in here. And, and maybe for some of you single people, if you're going to have a good relationship, you have to have communi- communication. You have to have connection there. Um, and so you've got to be talking to each other or else it's not going to work. And that's the same way with God. We've got to be talking to God, having these conversations, sharing these things, and not just on a surface level, but actually like utilizing it in a way that, that we realize that it's important and it's beneficial. And, you know, we see a lot of times in Scripture that God says, I'm, I'm ready to, to be there for you. Um, he says, I'm listening to you. We know a passage in Jeremiah 29, 12 uh, that says, then you call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Guys, most of us know this passage or heard this passage at least once or twice, if not more times. And it is a promise that God says, I'm here for you. I want to be connected to you. And so it is our job to be connected to him through prayer. We have to actually go and, and be praying and, and, and giving God what, our side of, of that relationship, that side of the connection is. And, you know, that's, that's a huge part in our role in, in being connected to God is, is praying to him. We see again in Psalms 145.18, we see the Lord is near to everyone who prays to him, every faithful person who prays to him, the Lord is near. You know, and so this, there's this connection here that, that God is, is already there for us. And he says, I'm here, I'm, I'm waiting for you. And so our responsibility is to come and pray to him, to be in that direct connection. And that's how we're going to stay. Um, that's how we're going to stay in the kingdom. And uh, it is through our, our connection to him in prayer. Um, as I talked about relationships a little bit earlier, we're talking about vines and branches this week. And there is no living vines and living branches if there's no connection to, to a source that's going to fuel them. Um, and our connection to God is, is what's going to fuel us to, to stay in the kingdom, to stay disciples, to stay here instead of going back to our old life um, that we used to be. And so, um, you know, verse 4 of John 15 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit itself. That's right, little man. Um, <laughs> you know, a uh, branch cannot bear fruit itself. It abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so, um, you know, the first point we have here is I will pray to stay in connection to God. Um, it's going to be our direct, one of our direct ways to be connected to him. And just kind of leaving you with a, a question from this first point is, how do you expect your relationship with God to be different um, and better if you're not in connection to him? So. All right, yeah, so we... We stay in a direct connection with God, but also we pray to stay aligned with God's will. All right? We pray to stay aligned with God's will. And it says in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. And guys, I think this is exactly 
what we see prayer doing in our lives. Uh, there is something special, you know, about setting aside some time to get with God. And I've noticed in my own life, whenever I do that, and whenever I grow in that relationship with Him, and when I talk to Him, um, I get a clarity in my heart and in my mind that I don't get anywhere else. I think it's very important to recognize that that is something that prayer offers us. Uh, it should honestly spur us on to pray more. Um, there's been a lot of times where I have not known maybe what choice to make or what direction to go with certain things in my life. And when I would just stop, think about it, pray about it, and ask myself what would God have me do in this situation, there brings uh, a lot of clarity to that situation. Um, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, there's a very important part of this. Uh, in the beginning, it is, it's really cool how he kind of introduces uh, how we're going to be approaching God, because that's really what we're doing when we pray. We're not just talking to a buddy, right? We're approaching the creator of all things. It's a very serious matter, uh, and something that we need to make sure that we're taking very seriously. But not only that, uh, he doesn't stop there. He says uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, and that is very important when we look at how we shape and how we mold our prayers to God. So whenever we are taking that time and we are understanding that's important, are you taking the time to, to ask yourself, is what I'm bringing to the table for God worth it? Is, it? is it a good prayer? Is it something he wants me to pray about? Is it something that he wants me to desire? Is it going to uh, further advance his kingdom? And I think that God knows the different things that we have on our hearts. And, uh, you know, Matthew 6 talks about that a lot. Uh, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we are approaching those things in a godly way. You know, it's funny when I look at this first because when I first became a disciple, um, I did a lot of things wrong, as I think, you know, we all, we all do. It's very normal. But one of the things I did wrong a lot was prayer. You know, I used to pray very selfishly. I would pray about... Uh, the different things that I wanted. You know, God, why am I not in a relationship? Why do I not make much money, right? Why do I struggle with these different areas of my life? Um, it's always about me. And I think sometimes we can kind of fall into that same trap. And it wasn't until I, uh, I think I kind of sat down one day, and it's funny because there are some prayers that you guys will have or maybe you've had in the past that you will forever remember. And this is one of mine. I do remember sitting in my dorm room and, and saying, you know what, God? The way I'm approaching this, the way I'm doing uh, this whole relationship with you thing is wrong. I keep asking for things, and clearly I'm not getting them, so it's, I, must, I must be doing something wrong. So you know what? I don't care what I get in my life. Just do what you want with me. And I relayed that into a lot of application in my life at that point. And it's funny because literally a week later after praying that, my now wife asked me on a date. And... It's, it's, a, it's a weird story. It's a funny story. Not exactly a super manly story, you know, to be asked on, on the first date. But I think it's a testament to God looking at our prayers and saying, now that's something I can work with. That's, that's a person who wants me. I know the things he wants, and I want to give him or her those things. But it's got to be done the right way. And I think that this is what you know, First John is talking about. Um, we also see in... Philippians 4.8, it says, 
do not be anxious about anything, uh, which, is, which is great to tell in the Art 4 lesson. Um, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanks, uh, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, uh, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we see we are being urged constantly to judge our own thoughts and our actions when coming into communication with God. What is our purpose behind our thoughts? What is our purpose behind our prayers? What do we really want in life? Do, is God and his kingdom, is that our true priority? Or are we out for selfish gain? And, and I think that's a question we don't ask enough because I think most of the time we say, well, no. Of course, I'm, I'm out for, for the kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm here for, for God's glory. But I think a lot of times we do have underlying habits and hang-ups that we have to confront and we have to deal with and we have to be able to say, it's possible that I might be praying or I might be wanting something selfish. And so we have to take that very seriously. Um, <clears throat> you know, as Chris is talking about the things where our hearts and our minds are, are aligned with God through prayer, um, I want to focus on our third point, and, and uh, I pray to stay uh, following Jesus' example. As I was looking uh, you know, through some notes for, for this lesson and, and doing some research on it, I came across um, you know, Jesus' example of um, times when he prayed. And uh, in, in Jesus' time and through the Gospels, he prayed uh, 25 times. We can see 25 different times here in, in the Gospels of Jesus praying. Um, and so if this is important to Jesus, this must be important, needs to be important for us. We need to follow his example and follow suit um, of, of what he's doing. And so, you know, he, he prays um, many times, and we see this quoted in Scripture in Luke 5, 16, uh, where it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And we see that Jesus is not just praying um, here in this passage in Luke 5, but we see him praying before and after he feeds, you know, 5,000, before he does miracles, after he's doing miracles. When, he's, when people are coming to him, he's withdrawing to pray because he knows that, um, you know, this is important and there's a purpose behind it. And so, you know, there are some things that we see Jesus praying about um, during uh, his times of prayer throughout his time here. Um, one of those, um, you know, is for his followers and his believers. We see Jesus' prayer life and understanding the, port the importance of praying for his followers and believers, um, not just because he's praying for people, but he's praying for specific groups of people, uh, you know, those that are in direct connection to him. In John 17, he prays for um, for two different sets of people that are believers. One that those are those that are uh, in direct connection to him, um, his disciples, and those that are a little bit more separated from him <clears throat> other than the 12. And, and I think it's really important to talk about this because Jesus understands that it's um, uh, prayer is going to be important for these people and, and what he's praying about for these groups of people um, is going to follow, uh, is going to need to be followed for us. And so um, Jesus is praying for those that, that are directly connected. In the crossings, um, you know, and in, in, in Colombia, we have these small groups and, and cell groups. And 
Um, some of you guys' other churches may have something like that too. And I would think about, are you praying for those um, that are around you, directly close to you, not just for uh, maybe like health or whatever, but for glorification of them in connection to the Father? Um, as I talk about in point one, pray to stay in connection. Jesus wants these people to be connected closer to him and, and, and see God shown through their life. Um, he also prays, uh, you know, we see Jesus praying for the lost. Um, we see multiple times where the lost, when we're thinking about our, our hearts and minds being aligned with God, um, we see Jesus talking to Paul about this in Acts 26, uh, verse 18, where he's telling him um, that Paul's going to be one to potentially open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Um, so they may see, receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith in me. Jesus' heart and mind was, was focused on advancing the kingdom, and if we're going to pray to stay, we have to be those who um, want the kingdom to grow and to advance. Um, and so our, our hearts and minds have to be focused on the lost and really on this idea of how can we um, not only for ourselves stay, but not make it so much about ourselves, but let's continue to advance and really see God glorified. Um, and, and that's where prayer is going to come into play a lot of times is, is making sure we're connected to God, making sure our hearts and minds are aligned on God and with God's will. Um, and we see both of these examples here in, in Jesus' uh, in Jesus's, um, life. But on top of those two things, another huge thing we see um, where Jesus is praying to stay um, is in Matthew 4, we see this time when uh, it's going to be verses, uh, much of Matthew 4, starting in verse 1 from the beginning. And we see this when Jesus goes out into the wilderness to pray and fast. And uh, we know that Jesus is, is praying because there isn't a time where we're going to see fasting most likely without some sort of prayer. And we know that Jesus is praying um, for his dependence on God, even more specifically, because um, he's preparing for battle. We, we see that Jesus is getting ready to, to face Satan, face the temptations that Satan's going to bring to him. Um, and, and we see that Jesus knows that he can't do this without, without the Father. And so, guys, if we're going to pray to stay, um, you know, we need to make sure that we're praying for our dependence on the Father. Uh, you know, this isn't going to be something that we can do by ourselves and on our own, our own will. We need the Father's will. We need the Father's power. We need to be in connection with him if we're going to stay. Because I know from my life and my examples, um, you know, that I can take where I've been uh, lacking in prayer a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've started to, to drift into to many old habits, many old uh, times of life, and, uh, you know, I've, I've had to really kind of say, all right, like, let's turn back. Let's turn to God. Let's be in connection with him. Let me be aligned with his will and really realize that I need to follow suit with Jesus because he's the one that I, I need to follow as an example instead of myself because I'm going to wreck my life. But I know that if I follow Jesus' example, that he's going to uh, help me to stay. And so um, how dependent are you on prayer? How dependent are you on God? Um, how is your prayer life when it comes to being in connection with him? And how is your prayer life when it comes to being aligned to his will? All right, guys, time for the fun part. Fasting, the part we all love. 
Um, you know, prayer and fasting uh, really is almost like one of those iconic duos just in the Bible, right? We think of a lot of things that go together really well. Um, in the Bible, praying and fasting is that way. However, uh, there's a lot of instances in the Bible where we see it telling us that we can pray and you can just pray. Fasting always comes with prayer. If you don't pray when you're fasting, there's really no point to it. We're going to dive into that a little bit more here in a little bit. Um, but in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, we see it says, uh, in, some, in some versions, it's just two words, pray continuously. Like, almost like never stop praying, right? Uh, some say uh, never, never cease praying. Um, <clears throat> and it's pretty much telling us here, guys, we need to get so used to prayer and praying in our everyday lives it's almost as if God's right next to us at all times. We are constantly pruning our thoughts. We are uh, talking to him. We're making choices based on him. We are in conversation and relation with him at all times. And we, he's always there to uh, talk to, to pray to, bounce things off of. He's there, right? We're to pray continuously. Um, <clears throat> fasting, there's more of a time and a place for it. And... It says in uh, Matthew 6, 16 through 18, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full already. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think what's important uh, here, guys, is we see that Jesus assumes his disciples that we will fast. It's not saying this is one of those things that you, it's an option you can do if you want to, I guess. He's assuming that there's going to be times when we're going to need to fast. And that's why he's giving us these instructions. And I think these instructions are really good. Uh, and I think a lot of us have, have seen this scripture where we look and we're like, okay, you know, this makes a lot of sense, um, you know. Because in a way, we are sacrificing, and in a way, we are sort of suffering, um, you know, through the process of fasting, but only for our Father, for no one else. We are not to give this to anyone else, right? Um, <clears throat> but we also need to look at what, what this does for us. The, what, what is the power behind it? What, is there power behind fasting? You know, why, you know, why, why do we even have it? Um, and so I made a little list of... Uh, you know, a couple of big characters in the Bible that have practiced fasting. Uh, we have Moses, a lawgiver. Uh, we have David, who is a king. Elijah, a prophet. Esther, a queen. Daniel, a seer. Anna, a prophetess. Uh, Paul, an apostle. And Jesus, the very son of God himself. So when we see lists like this and we see consistencies in the Bible of major characters who have shaped the world and have shaped uh, our discipleship and our Christianity and the way we're supposed to be doing things and be in relationship with God, we have to look and say, so I need to know what I need to be doing uh, because clearly there is a time and a place to fast along with all this prayer. And I think when I uh, look at that as a disciple, our first point is that as a disciple, I can fast to last in the face of rebellion. And when I say in the face of rebellion... I'm not meaning that we always have this urge to just go out and do the opposite of what everyone's telling us to do, you know, not just to rebel at, at any given point. I'm talking about, as a disciple, when you rebel, it's you doing something that is not what God would have you do. 
you're doing something that you would have you do. And that is the rebellion that we're talking about here. And this is a time when we see that fasting is needed. And we see this in the story of David. Now, David, I mean, many of us know the story of David. Uh, you know, a young boy uh, was made king later on in his life, uh, literally named a man after God's own heart. And uh, as, he's grow- as he's growing in his old age, and as he is king, and has a lot of comforts in his life, uh, we quickly come to know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? And, you know, David uh, goes through a horrendous spiral of rebellion in his life against God and selfishness and deceit. Uh, he ends up getting one of his best friends killed. Uh, he uh, is deceitful and lies consistently. Um, and I personally, when I look at this story, I don't think that all of this started when he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof. I think this started way before. It always starts with a seed. Rebellion in our lives starts with something small. It starts with a compromise of something, somewhere at some time. And it's always something that we justify, right? Now, David later on, and we're going to look at this here in a little bit, David later on is able to uh, rectify himself. And one of the tools he does use when he goes through uh, kind of getting back on track, is fasting. He goes through, well, he's eventually confronted on his sin and realizes how badly he sinned against God, how jacked up the situation is, and also realizes there's going to be consequence for his sin. He goes through a week long, and the Bible's not specific on if it's uh, just a straight week without eating or drinking or if it's sun up to sundown or whatever it is, but he goes through intense fasting periods He wears sackcloth. He prays continually. Uh, It's a rough time for him. But he does that out of reverence for God because he knows where he should be and he knows where he ended up. And guys, I'm not saying that we're all in a place today where, you know, hopefully you guys aren't out getting people murdered and, you know, cheating on people and stuff. But I think that when I look at certain people that I've had in my life that have walked away from God, it always started with something small, a compromise somewhere, a comfortability that they didn't want to sacrifice. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, we, even with this story, we can look at this and we can, we can look at David and be like, well, you know, David had all these, he was a king. He had all these, he had all these different uh, avenues to, to go down. He had all these different, anything at his fingertips. Guys, we live in America. We have the same thing, if not more. I could order something on Amazon and it's at my door the next day and I'm distracted with it for the next two to three weeks or however long. I go down to the, the Starbucks if I want to drink and get a pinkity drinkity or whatever you guys get down there. And, and whatever I want, I can get it. Guys, it's the same situation. When we look at the seed that starts rebellion in our lives, it's always, as a disciple, we have choices in everything. And it's always God or me. If, if I'm not on my lunch break at work and I'm looking at, well, what am I going to do on my lunch break? I can go watch YouTube and eat my lunch, or I could go sit with my people and talk to them, try to get to know them. You know what I mean? Clearly, God would rather me do one of those than the other. And whenever we uh, look into our own lives, whenever we are able to uh, examine ourselves, we have to be able to find those seeds and, and see which ones are sprouting, which ones are going to be dangerous, and if possible or if needed, we need to fast and we need to come back to God whenever we realize that something that we've grown in habit of doing is wrong. 
And that's how serious you should take that because that sin can ruin your life, it can ruin your relationship with God, and it can spiral you into a place that you do not want to go down. Um, you know, as, as Chris is talking about these things that uh, are um, in the rebellion to God, um, you know, he, he talks about this idea of being able to order a Starbucks drink from our, our phone or uh, be able to order something on Amazon. And, and these are things that, the, there's these seeds that, that start in our life. <clears throat> and if we're going to fast to last, not only need to fast in the face of rebellion, but we also need to fast to last in a world of temptation. And so that's going to be our second point, is to fast to last in a world of temptation. And, it, you know, there's, there's so many things nowadays that we have access to, as Chris was talking about, that are so, um, so instant, so easy, easily tempting. Um, you know, but we can see that this is just a new thing. Temptations aren't something new because we live in America, but because we live in America, these temptations can be even more in some ways for us. Um, we see temptations occur throughout Scripture. I talked about earlier, about in Matthew 4, where Jesus goes into the wilderness to prepare for these temptations. And, you know, Jesus isn't just praying during that time, but he is specifically fasting for these 40 days. And we see that he is, is one of these perfect examples of how to use fasting to... Uh, to overcome these temptations. Um, in verses uh, 1 through 11, we see this entire period where Jesus is, is, is fasting and, and focusing on these, um, you know, focusing on preparing for battle, preparing for uh, facing these temptations that he's going to face. Um, you know, and so if we're going to be uh, in close relation to the Father to, to overcome these temptations that we have, we, we must be those that are fasting. Many times we can uh, take a lot of things that, that, that we just, we go into from our temptations, those things that are, uh, you know, something to run away from anxiety, something to run away from depression, something to run away from insecurity, something to run away from life or whatever it is that, that we see um, we can be tempted by, and it's easy just to go to those things to run away from whatever's going on in life. And, you know, fasting is a way where we can not have to run to whatever it may be, whether it is uh, drugs or alcohol or pornography or food or, or social media um, or video games or whatever, but instead we can fast from whatever those things are um, and, and not just, I know I, I talked about the idea of fasting from pornography. Maybe that's a, that needs to be a permanent thing is fasting from pornography for sure. But we need to fast from our phones or we need to fast from these video games or fast from this food. Um, and, and really start finding our dependence instead of in those things, but finding our dependence on God. Finding our dependence in God instead of drugs or alcohol or pornography or video games or whatever. So that we can really put the things we need to in our life. Um, which, is, which is that dependence on God and really put the things we need to in life to really grow and really to last instead of just find some sort of temporary thing that uh, is only going to get us away from what we're running from uh, for a short period of time. Fasting is something that's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be something we need to, 
<clears throat> do that's going to be a sacrifice. It's not just something that's going to be easy, as, uh, as, as Chris was talking about earlier. Um, you know, it's going to be something that we, uh, we do in a world of temptation, because temptation is, is something that is, is something we like. It's something that's enjoyable. It's something that, honestly, it wouldn't be tempting if it wasn't like that. It wouldn't be a sacrifice if it wasn't, um, if it wasn't something we enjoyed. And so um, if we're going to fast to last, we need to fast from temptation or in a world of temptation by going to God and finding our dependence on God as Jesus did in, in Matthew 4 like he was in the wilderness. All right, guys. Uh, and so when we look at fasting... Uh, like I said earlier, there are definitely times and places uh, to fast and to, to pray and to fast, right? Uh, and so far, we look at you know these different obstacles that we have in life and hardships that we might go through, and it can be really difficult uh, to overcome them at times. That's why we have fasting. But one of the great things that we get to experience uh, is our third point here, and that is that I can fast to last while advancing God's kingdom. And it is super cool to know that fasting can also be used as a strategy for God to promote him and to further his work. Uh, you know, when we look at Acts 13, 1 through 3, it says, uh, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So then they fasted and prayed some more, and afterwards they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so you see, we have a group of people here that have God at the center of their heart and want to do uh, what is right. And at a time when they're fasting, they are sent out to do work. And we know what happens when, when Barnabas and Saul are sent out. We know the impact they have on the world. Great things came from that because they were able to be uh, men who were able to go out and, and spread that word. Uh, we also have Esther 4.16. And guys, this verse kind of gets me amped, so <laughs> to be ready. Uh, so Esther uh, and her people are kind of in trouble right now and, and look uh, at possibly being uh, all killed. She said, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three nights or days. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so we see a woman that is ready to literally sacrifice everything for her people, but her approach in this situation is to fast with her people. And guys, this is something that is really cool that uh, I know at the crossings we do a lot, and in our campus ministry we do a lot, is uh, whether we had different campaigns or if it's a different time of the year, maybe the beginning of a new semester, right? Uh, we set aside time to pray and fast. And I've seen a lot of great things come from that. I'm pretty sure I even have uh, some of the, the guys in my small group uh, came around at times where we were fasting. And I have uh, some of my guys right here. Really good, really good small group right now. So, <laughs> um, But no, in all seriousness, it's, it's very powerful and very uplifting. Even in the fact that we can look at each other in times whenever we're uh, sort of feeling you know, that, that hunger and we're feeling that sacrifice. Uh, not, not necessarily in the respect of, like, if I have to suffer, you have to suffer, but in the fact that, like, we're in this together. We get to, we get to 
grow closer to God together. We get to be a family and a church body uh, with each other and grow through this together. And it's, uh, it's super comforting to know that it's not just you. And a lot of times we can look at uh, God, our relationship with God, uh, on a very personal level. But those days, whenever, you know, I could just even be in the office and I'm super hungry, you know, um, I didn't put any oil on my head. Like, you know, Jesus told me, oh, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to, you know, be presentable and make sure I, I, I'm, I'm not like grouchy or anything. It's really comforting in that time to know that there are other people that are, that are doing that with me. And we're chatting in our group chat, praying for you guys, praying for these things, uh, you know, hoping for these things. Um, and it's definitely something that I recommend you guys try to, uh, try to see those times when that is um, applicable, when you can do those things. Um, so yeah, we have to make sure that, uh, just to kind of go through the fasting points, guys, uh, because fasting is one of those things that it is kind of like, when do I do this? When we find those seeds of rebellion, right? When we, when we see those, those things in our lives that we're like, man, I've been doing this wrong this whole time, there has to be change. Take that serious enough, fast for it, right? When we see, uh, we're in a world of temptation, you know, guys, so many times we use food as a way to get through anxiety or depression or even boredom at times. And we have to be like, no, food's not the answer. God is the answer. You know, I have to search out him today, and he is going to be my energy. He's going to be my light. He's going to be my purpose for being. And then, of course, we have uh, advancing God's kingdom. You know, just being together, making sure that we are putting God's work first and making sure that we are doing everything that we can and exhausting every method we have in order to... Uh, uh, add to his kingdom, and, and glorify him. And guys, it's really cool. When we look at, um, at Jesus' example, I think we, especially this weekend, when we look at uh, you know, the vine and the branches, guys, if we want to be good fruit, if we want to uh, even yield good fruit, uh, we have to always look at the perfect example, which is Jesus. You know, when we look at uh, Scripture and we look at Jesus fasting, we actually only have uh, that one that one story of him fasting for 40 days, right? Um, however, scientists do say that if someone is going to go for a prolonged fast for that long, there has to be a lot of preparation, and that person has to have been fasting and practicing fasting, fasting for a long time. And so even though we only get approximately about 52 days of Jesus' life that we see in Scripture, we get to know that this is something that he did regularly, something he took very seriously, something we need to also take seriously. There's a lot of power behind it. I do want to end this on a, a verse in Matthew 17, 21. Um, you know, this is at a time when Jesus gave his disciples, uh, kind of started to give them some power to, to bring out demons and to perform miracles in front of people to help spread, uh, spread his word. And they were having a really hard time with one, and it wouldn't come out, and he had to kind of come and take control of the situation. And they asked him about it afterwards, and he replied, uh, he said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. And so I'm not saying that we're going to go out and start you know, drilling demons out of people or anything, but we have to understand that this is a serious subject that we need to make sure that we're setting time aside. We're getting in our prayer. You know, of course we're getting in our word, but we're getting that time in relation with Jesus. And in certain scenarios, we are sacrificing for him. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to have Brett uh, say a prayer for us real quick, and then uh, we'll wrap it up, guys. Um, 
Father God, as we come to you today, uh, God, I just think about the the topic we got in prayer and just just communicating with you, Father, and I pray that uh, the things we discussed this morning and we were able to share, um, Father, the the ones, the words that you wanted us to share uh, got shared, and, and what was heard needed to be heard, um, Father, and that uh, you are glorified through it all, God, that the the people that are here can really just get so much from this weekend, God, that we can uh, just really absorb as much as possible and, and start putting into practice the things we need to, so that as we... Uh, as we go out into our campuses and our lives and our jobs and um, places, you know, where we live, that, uh, God, we can glorify you and that uh, you can be shown in our lives to, uh, to those that don't know you. Um, Father, I was discussing with some of my guys about uh, how we have this amazing gift uh, in this relationship with you. And, God, what, uh, what a waste it would be if we didn't share it with those that, uh, that didn't know you. And so, Father, I pray that as we uh, listen to the lessons this weekend, that we get to hear uh, just your word uh, spoken, God, that uh, we can find some practical steps and practical application to uh, not only stay in your kingdom through prayer, but that we can last in your kingdom, God, through fasting and and abiding in you um, and bearing fruit, God. There's some just amazing, amazing... uh, words spoken this weekend and in times with uh, each other, and God, I just pray that we can see that uh, none of it can be done because of ourselves, but it's all because of you, and God, we, uh, we, have, we have the family here we can rely on so that when we do go out into uh, this semester, that uh, it's not us that people see, but it's you, and uh, God, that we can be the examples of your son that you, uh, you call us to be. Father, thank you for it all. Thank you for the ultimate example and the ultimate sacrifice. And Father, I pray that we can remember that and really just uh, continue to glorify you through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.